Hi there, this is Watchin, and you are now listening to the I Choose the Ladder podcast, a podcast for Black women on the corporate climb. This episode is brought to you by The Review Planner. For many of us, performance review season is about to begin. For many of us, it's also a challenge to remember all of the things that we've done during the year. So what happens is our performance reviews become a one-way conversation where our managers are telling us what they think we did during the year And without proof of our performance, it becomes incredibly hard for us to advocate for that raise, promotion, or new position that we know we deserve. So I created the review planner because I always wanted a tool like this, a systematic way to track all of our career accomplishments that are specifically tied to the feedback and growth areas that our managers are measuring our success by. The review planner helps you create a schedule for your career growth and it makes it easy to focus on the goals that you have throughout the year. With email templates, monthly checklists, built-in accountability and reminders, the planner keeps you on track to accomplish your goals and ensures you are spending your time on the things that actually move your career forward. I designed the review planner to help you focus on your career and prepare for your annual review so you can confidently speak up for yourself and earn what you deserve. To learn more about The Review Planner, head to thereviewplanner.com. Again, that's thereviewplanner.com and pre-order yours today. In today's episode, you meet Danielle Cumberbatch. Danielle is the Vice President of Product and Operations at Rakuten and has over 20 years of experience in the digital and performance-based marketing industry. She grew up loving computers and socially was in the middle of everything, sports, academic activities, Girl Scouts, and anything fun. Danielle credits her tenure within the business to her mix of client service experience and technical know-how, which allows her to pull the best out of people and machine. Danielle got her first taste of entrepreneurship during her college years as an independent singer-songwriter. She officially transitioned into the business marketing scene, working as an intern at an independent marketing company, Own Your Power Communications, run by Simone Kelly. During her time at Own Your Power, Danielle was webmaster for the site and responsible for organizing geo-targeted promotional campaigns to increase awareness and attendance of local OYP events in New York, New Jersey, Georgia, Florida, and Washington, DC. Joining Radican Advertising in 2006, Mrs. Cumberbatch was selected to build a brand new service offering for the business identifying and activating lead generation partnerships with publishers who distribute offers through form hosting, web display, email, search, paper call, mobile, print, and pre-inquiry radio. At its peak, Danielle was responsible for a client portfolio with an annual revenue target north of $17 million. In her most recent role as Vice President Product Operations, Danielle leads a dynamic global team responsible for the technical integration and marketing launch of brands seeking to increase their distribution and sales opportunities through affiliate, search, and programmatic display channels. With clients seeking to drive new online and offline sales within the Americas and internationally, Danielle's daily work responsibilities all lead back to how her and her team can ensure the clients satisfy their consumers' privacy needs, create a workflow that supports their business profitability goals, and has the best onboarding experience. 
Outside of work, Danielle is a wife and a mother to two beautiful children and pushes to be a better version of herself every day. When I initially met Danielle, I was blown away by the tenacity that she has, the the foresight that she has around her career, the ways that she's been able to navigate spaces and keep her eye on what her North Star is for herself and for her career. Um, and I was super impressed by her ability to be the only Black executive at her level for quite some time within her company, but not lose hope and still push forward um, be doing what it is that she felt like she wanted to do for her career and just the the ways in which that she has grown professionally over time so as always grab your favorite beverage your i choose the ladder notebook and get ready to get to work Danielle, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for deciding to be on the podcast today. Um, I know that when I first heard about you and the job that you have, which we'll get to later in the podcast, I was like, we need to have her on this podcast. So thank you for saying yes. No problem. I was excited to to join you. So, um, so my first question, like in your current job, you're the only black woman in your position in the company, right? But thinking back to the beginning of your career, like how did you get that first job in corporate? Did you have parents who had bomb networks who put you on? Like how did you end up um, in corporate America? Um, so I think it was just the the way the universe worked. So my parents were civil servants. Um, one was a superintendent for, um, you know, building in Queens. And um, my mom, she worked as a, a correction captain on um, Rikers Island, actually. Mm-hmm. So no, um, she did put my youngest brother and I in computer class. So she always says now that that is a big part of the reason why we're like, doing so well in like computers and stuff like that. She was like, I knew something was gonna go on with the, with the computers. It was the wave of the future. So, um, so yes, so mommy gets credit for that. So um, then how did you end up with your first job in corporate? So, I mean, I started out, funny enough, in entertainment and um, through that journey, I made a decision that I wanted to be on the more business side of it. And so I started interning at a independent marketing company. And through that work, I, you know, had a team I was working with. And one of those team members was actually working as an account manager at Rakuten or what was then called Linkshare. Okay. Um, and so I think a lot of the times when we're, when we talk to people about career pivoting and like changing directions, how did you know that it was your time to pivot from entertainment into what it is that you started doing? What is it, 14 years, you said? I, I've been here at this company 14 years, yes. So um, at, like, what was that, like, that point in the road, that fork in the road 14 years ago that made you decide, like, okay, it's time to try something else? I, you know what? I, I just I looked up and I was like, okay, I've enjoyed this journey in entertainment, but there's there's some things that I want to explore in terms of what I thought I can bring to any table in terms of value, my skill sets, um, the things I enjoy to do. And while I love singing and songwriting, I felt like I had other values and other skill sets that I could showcase. And frankly, I was just like, um, I can do this, you know? And so that was a big part of me just kind of looking at what I had done and where I wanted to go in the future and say, you know what? I need to do something like a little bit more stable for me. Mm. And 
that was making that transition into, you know, an actual corporate job. And I know that for a lot of the creatives who listen to the podcast, right, there's that fear that if you go into corporate, you're going to lose your creative side of it. It's going to be very serious. And so have you been able to balance the, like the more creative side of yourself, right, with the corporate culture and like the things that you're doing, corporate America, or how have you been able to, if you have been able to? So there's, first of all, there's a ton of creative people in corporate. Like we make jokes all the time, how we could like form a band, uh, you know, and form like these different creative pods because there's so much creative talent in corporate period. So I mean, it's a mix. It just depends on what kind of industry you are in. Um, for mine, which is internet and e-commerce, we do a, a fair share of events where, you know, I get to sing and kind of hang out and kind of stretch those muscles in a fun mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. at work. But then at work, like day to day, there is an entrepreneurial spirit that lives within the corporate structure at my job um, and our businesses. So the creativity that you get from just thinking of something new Um, and new ways to either improve your operations or increase uh, revenue opportunity. I get to still flex those muscles because there's a true entrepreneurial spirit in the job that I work at. Got it. Um, And you um, talked about what your parents did for a living. So my assumption is that they didn't necessarily have the deep corporate like relationships that you could leverage. And so how have you been able to, if you have, find mentors and sponsors to help you navigate this thing called corporate, knowing that you didn't necessarily have like the immediate family that you can lean on in order to help you figure out what it is that you were supposed to be doing. I'm going to say that um, it, it was just me and like my internal drive, like this is where I want to be. So I'm just going to read up on, you know, these things that seem to be important when it comes to having your own business. Um, even in the entertainment business, I had my own publishing company, so I like read up on just how to run a business and had to be incorporation. And so through all of that, just me knowing I want to be in a certain spot, I would just I was just a study, just like magnet. I would just be studying books, reading self-help books, mm. um, you know, just talking to people that have businesses. I mean, that internship at that company, um, it's called Own Your Power, um, and that internship with with Simone was just great. I learned a lot about networking tactics and things. So it's just it was my own drive, I like an innate love for this organization and social and people and technology. Like I just had that drive in me, and then I just like went with it. And the mm-hmm. universe just moved things around, and you know that's how it happens. Um, do you currently have people that you consider mentors who you feel like are intentional with helping you um, craft your career? And if so, how did you get them? I, you know what? Um, I think that if you come in and you showcase like your the values and the skill sets that you have, you will have people that see it and then identify it. And, and everyone's got a different, I'm going to say utility, but in the positive form, mm-hmm. everyone has a different utility. So even when we were in entertainment, we had a lot of things that were going down production wise that maybe other people would have had to pay for. But I think people saw the value in our talent 
And so there were a lot of things that we were able to do through networking that moved us forward. And I think the same thing for when I got into this business, I was like, they're either going to let me go or I'm going to be a leader in this business. And so I just grinded and tapped into um, the, there was a female COO. She was, she was always like number two, number three in the company. And so I would just talk with her about, you know, just what is up with, you know, this business, how she got there, the way, look at how she moved. Um, and then even other people who may not even know, I would just talk to people that were, you know, in higher positions to me because I've, I've always been very social. Mm. So I would literally create those opportunities because I was social and so eager to learn and not afraid to get dirty and just do it. Mm. Um, and so I, cre- I created a lot of those people that kind of helped me get more awareness and kind of yep. like helped to pump my brand throughout the business. Um, and then we mentioned earlier in the conversation, like you've been at your current company, not your current position for 14 years. Um, and I know that that, you know, that trajectory hasn't been just like straight up. There's been times where you've been in positions for quite some time and then that like transition to newer positions. So can you think back to a time maybe in one of those positions where you felt stuck and what did you do to get unstuck, right? Because you didn't choose to leave, you're still there. So there's something about the company that you have an affinity for. Um, and so how did you, what, ta- what tangible things did you do to get unstuck? So there, there was like a period between 2012 and 2000 and 16, 17 or so, where there, um, I would say, um, there was some growing up that the company had to do. And so I essentially feel like, as myself, I was mixed up in the middle of the the growing pains that needed to happen within the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those periods where I felt like I, you know, w- should have been moved into a position because I was doing the work, and was able to put together a vision, create an action plan, and then move my team to reach those goals, right? Mm-hmm. For those periods, I, I just literally were like, was like, I'm going to continue to shine. I'm going to continue to present my ideas. I'm going to stay visible um, in front of my peers, stakeholders, upper management, um, anybody new that comes in the business, I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to step out there. So those periods of time that I felt like I'm not moving as fast as I want, I just, I literally just was like, I'm going to persevere through this. Mm. Because once this company grows up in a sense, then they're going to realize, oh, yes, <laughs> you you are definitely, you know, someone of value that, you know, should be getting what, uh, you know, what you're worth. And so essentially it worked. It worked for me. Um, and I was able to persevere. And frankly, it, the, the entrepreneurial thing was a real, is a real thing within the business. So even during those times when it was like, hey, I still was able to do the things that I felt was good for the business mm. and, and still get recognition for that. Um, you know, in, in a way. So, so like you talked about, you know, presenting your ideas, pretty much advocating for yourself within the company to get what it is that you've earned, um, during times when you were feeling stuck. Um, 
one of the things that I think stops Black women from verbalizing or being more vocal in the workplace is because they don't want to be seen as like the, the angry Black woman, or they don't want to be seen as like being greedy, or they don't want to be seen as like being difficult, right? So how do you balance that all of those things that we know are said about us as a people in corporate with advocating for what it is that you know that you've earned? I relied mostly on data because I felt like if I come in the room and I have the data that supports what I'm talking about, you're going to have a very hard way to try to subjectively introduce something to the equation. So that to me is still my biggest tool. That's, that's my biggest toolbox and tool set is come with the data. And if you come in a room and you say, hey, here's what I'm tracking, here's what I'm seeing, and here's the reasons why I think we should do this, that, and that, um, then you know, your, your conversation is focused on that. And then if it's not focused on that, then, you know, you're going to have to take a different route. You know, maybe you got to stop that conversation and take a different route. But in this moment for, for me, I just, I couldn't focus on any of those other characteristics or caricatures that people wanted to make about me. I'm like, I'm going to focus on the data. I'm going to focus on my people and my team and what they need and you know, anybody else's narrative, I just, I gotta like push that to the side and like work through that. Mm. Um, only a few times I had to actually call people out, you know, and, and let them know, you know, this, the way you're approaching this is not the best way to get us to where we need to be. Mm. I've only had to do that a few times. Got yeah. it. Um, and then another thing that I think that comes up a lot of times in corporate as it pertains to black women is hair, right? Like you are in senior leadership, right? You are a vice president within the company. How do you think about showing up as your authentic self, including like your hair in these spaces where there is literally in at your level, just you? Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I, I'm more so, cause my hair has been relaxed for so long, so that for me hasn't been a big issue in terms of that but funny enough the jewelry i wear is a thought the necklaces i have how you know how beautiful and big they are and if i wear this necklace in this client meeting is the client going to be looking at my necklace and not paying attention to what i'm saying and so those are the things that seem small, but man, it, it adds up when you wake up and you go, okay, I got to wear these earrings again because, you know, I, I got this meeting. Um, and so it's just been, it's been, a, I would say, a, I'm not even going to say a give and take because it's just been a give in that, in that, in that moment, you're just giving up on yourself in that moment to move forward with this particular deal and then another day you might wear your necklace when you don't have like a client meeting mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and so i i think what's beautiful about now like in terms of this day and age the confidence as you as we all just understand how beautiful it all is that is not something that i worry about you mm -hmm. know now mm -hmm. um years ago it was something that it was definitely a concern. Mm 
Um, but as the confidence gets get to be what it should be, right? Which is what I would teach my kids now. Mm-hmm. So my daughter will go in to any setting wearing whatever jewelry she wants, however she wants her hair. Same thing for my son. I'm teaching them that now so that they can have that confidence earlier on than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, when you've been at a, a company for as long as you have, um, how do you think about moving on and not moving on from the company necessarily, but like moving on from a role? How have you thought through strategically, right? Because it's in this day and age, it's very rare to have somebody be in a position with a company for 14 years, right? Like that's like the generation before ours who they found a company and they stayed. And so for you, how do you think about or how, how do you know when it's time to move on from one position to the other? So um, it's, I'm going to say it's been a blessing because at this company, because of the growth, the aggressive strategy and vision that um, Mikatani has essentially, there has been almost baked in opportunity for me to quote unquote, get a new job mm. every, every you know, few years or so. So I came into the business as an account manager And within a few months, there was a new service offering that they wanted to build out. And I was selected to be one of those four people as a part of that team to Mm. begin that new service offering. So I went from account manager to being a part of this new lead generation team, Um, did that for about six, seven years and Mm -hmm. came out of that team as director. And so that entire time, we were literally learning a whole new business. We mm-hmm. were building our team. We were learning new channels. Like our, our main business was affiliate, but through lead generation, we learned more about um, display, like programmatic um, media, paper call, you know, forum hosting. Like there was so much new things to learn mm-hmm. as we were building this new business. And then when we made a shift in the company to move, towards something else. Um, Essentially, I began to um, focus on another service offering that we had, um, which was a a feed management system, like cross, you know, cross um, networks. So like every few years, I've literally been put into a position to like learn something new and be head or in charge or overseeing something that I could completely like don't know about and so it's it's been almost like a built-in new job within this company just because of just the the vision that the that the leader has about just how we move and how we evolve in in the industry so that has been a blessing and what do you think because for the the first one that you talked about from like account manager to that next position what do you think that they saw in you that made them say yes we need her to be a part of this you know, I, I, you know what? I think about that all the time watching. I'm like, I don't know if they were like, get this girl away from the major clients, you know? <laughs> or if they was like, I see something in her because she's in here. She's in here early. She's leaving out of here late. She's, you know, everybody is, is um, you know, we're all working well together. I, I honestly don't know. Um, but I do, I think about that. For me, it doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm going to turn it into gold. So I don't even really think about it, you know, in terms of 
what decision or why they put me in that food tapped you for that role still with the company no no so there's only one um she is uh she's a senior manager now so she was an account manager with me we were both account managers and then um she she is still with the company but the other two senior reps they're not there and the other like executives they're not there. i think it would be so interesting to ask them like what did y'all see in me that i didn't necessarily see in myself at that time that made you feel confident that i could do this new role even though i knew nothing about what y'all had going on yeah i was so green i always tell people that i remember a client like sending some feedback like she's a little green <laughs> and i was like yeah i sure was I definitely was, but I knew if it just gave me a moment, I was going to catch up and I was going to be, you know, what I needed to be. So, yeah, it was a good move because it was fresh and we got to, we got to like dictate and get feedback and we had a lot of resources. So it was a really, it was an opportunity. I think when people think of something and go, why are they moving me here? You know, and kind of get lost in the why you could be missing an opportunity to make something yours. Mm -hmm. I came out of that and people were like, you know, you run in this department, right? Like this, I came out of that with that feedback. And so that was an opportunity that I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this. And do you, do you currently manage a team now? Yes. Okay. So as someone who manages a team, a lot of the times are um, the, the conversations that we get into with women in the Ichu Ladder community is around pr like proving your value, right? Um, and it was hard enough when people were in the office, right? And you could just like walk to your manager's office or your manager could walk past your desk and see you working. In this new virtual world, like you don't really know how much, well, I guess you can based on like how, you, how you're tracking them but it's not as easily accessible to see the kind of value that people are bringing. So if there is an employee of yours who is thinking through how they can add value to you and your department during this time, what would you say to them? So um, this is an interesting question. I get this question from just regular family members. Like, how can you tell if, you know, people are like working? And I'm like, you can tell because the collaboration is so heavy. I mean, my team, I, I oversee directly about 34 people or so, and then indirectly like 40 something. And we are in the middle of onboarding clients from the tech to the marketing side of that process. And we collaborate with all pretty much all the different stakeholders, accounting, billing, sales, client services. I mean, the media analysts, like it's, we interact with everyone. So mm -hmm. the, the value is collaboration and essentially, you know, having people want to work, you know, with your team for, you know, a particular client's launch or, you know, just, understanding that if they need information, they know they can go to that team member to get good information to help move a deal forward. Mm. Um, so though the collaboration, I would say, would be the key. You want to show your value, show how you can collaborate with a million different personality types who all have their own particular wants and needs within the business, mm -hmm. but also be at the same time able to 
understand what your team needs are and then figure out the balance between those two. Mm-hmm. That's how you're going to be able to show how you're going to be a valuable asset to this team. Because if you don't know how to collaborate, there's no way. Mm. And then I guess the, the second part of that question is a lot of the times the conversations that I have with people is like, you don't get a promotion or a raise because of time served, right? A lot of times people don't care how long you've been there. Um, and so for you, when your employees are coming to you to discuss promotions, to discuss raises, what kind of information do you or data do you expect them to come with in order to have the foundation of that conversation be solid? Yeah, so um, we have a mix of performance goals. And specifically for me, um, uh, that structure was a a bit soft for me. Mm. So I, I said to myself, when you get into a position to manage people, you're going to do what you would have wanted done for you. Mm. And so that's what I did. And so from the time when I first started managing people, I was like, we're going to have hard data and hard metrics around the number of deals you you set live, the time it takes you to get those campaigns live. And then, um, and then the other soft metrics, like how are you working with your team? Are you keeping up on your calendar? Um, are you collaborating with others in a way that's positive and can move things forward? Um, so between the hard metrics and those soft skills, that's the way um, that my team members would have to show up if we mm-hmm. were discussing any sort of like promotions or just their career path. Mm-hmm. And we have specific special projects that if they want to go above and beyond their day-to-day responsibilities, we put that on the list as a special project. And then essentially we look at how they move through that project. Um, and so that's, that's the way, like the framework that I have set up for my team um, when it comes to just having those discussions. So we just all kind of know where we are and what we need to work towards. And having managed like different groups of people over different times in your career, are there mistakes that you see like young black women making in the workplace that their counterparts are not making that could be holding them back? And these mistakes may be happening unconsciously that like they may not know, but if there's like one thing that you're like, hey, young black girl, like stop doing this or think through how you do this um, to help them um, move their careers forward. So, I'm, you know what, it's, it's unfortunate that I don't have a ton of examples, um, you know, to be like, but, you know, we do have a few, probably have a little bit over a handful of, of Black women that I've interacted with here mm-hmm. at this, at, at my current company. Um, I'm going to just say oh, overall, any advice to just young Black women that I've talked to at my company is that there are, there are times when you're going to need to open up when maybe you don't want to or necessarily are not in the mood to do that Mm -hmm. right um because you know making yourself available in um you know key situations just depends on what it is um is often an opportunity to form a connection with either your peers your colleagues um or uh, upper management Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I think that might be missed as like, I'm here at this level. And so you're not making a connection with 
above your manager. You, you're thinking like just your manager is who you should be focused on when it's like, no, you should be making connections with everybody, C-suite, everybody, vendors and their C-suites. Like you shouldn't just be looking like, oh, I'm just going to form direct connections with my direct peers. You should be looking to form connections with everyone because everyone has something of value to offer to you. Um, and those connections are everything. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would say that to me would be probably one of the bigger misses that I think young black women may make. Like, I just gotta stick here and mm-hmm. impress my manager. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, you can impress your manager, but you should also be forming a connection and understanding what's going on with upper management and C-suite as well. Mm-hmm. You, just, you just never know when you might be able to have a conversation and, and let them know about something and they might say, oh, you know, we have this going on. You, ju- you just never know where those conversations could go. Mm-hmm. And um, so I remember when we were first talking and you, like we were talking about your position and then you mentioned that you were the only black woman at your level in the company. And for a, re- for a while, you were the only black person at your level in the company. And research has shown that like, even when we've earned those spots, even when we've done the work, like we still pull up to those tables and have imposter syndrome and being like, you know, how did I get here? If they're gonna find out that I'm not qualified or whatever the, the, the narrative that runs in our minds are. And so for you, have you ever dealt with imposter syndrome being an only, um, and if you have, how have you managed to like deal with that to still be able to like do your job and perform well? So, yeah, and you know, this this question is so tough because I think we we all I think we all just feel like we're we're good, like we're doing great. And when you think about just the nature and the definition of imposter syndrome, it literally makes you feel like you feel like you're not <laughs> supposed to be here mm-hmm. and like you're not qualified to be here. And that's a tough just perspective to think that you're having on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a really tough question for me because I have always sought to excel and do great at something whatever it is i legitimately come in like whatever assignment i'm gonna get i'm going to turn it to gold like Mm -hmm. that has legitimate been from back in the day if you talk to any of my friends they'll be like yeah (laughs) she's exactly where she is she's been like this her entire life (laughs) um So, I mean, the times where I've kind of felt like, I guess, not prepared or Mm -hmm. maybe I'm missing something Mm -hmm. that that I'm like more in tune with, like maybe I'm like, people are talking about certain things and I'm feeling like, I don't really know a lot about this topic, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there's, they seem to be kind of talking about it as if like, I might should know about Uh (laughs) it, maybe I should know about this topic. And yeah. so in those situations, I would then follow up. I would then follow up. I would start to do research on whatever that topic is to see like how much maybe I missed. And then very happily, there's been many times when I'm like, oh, okay, no, I'm, I'm up to date like on 
what this is and how this applies, you know, for me or for my team. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that the way that I've dealt with situations where people are talking and I'm like, eh, that's, that's not too clear. Um, if I don't have the opportunity in that moment to get clarity, like mm -hmm. to ask more questions about what they're speaking about, I go in, I do, you know, my own research once I get like a down moment. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and then let, cause you know, I, you have these great kids. So we're going to talk about them. Um, <laughs> so you have two children. You have a whole husband. You have a pretty demanding job. How do you look at balancing or integrating the demands of your professional life and then the demands of your personal life, right? You, we're in some pretty strange times. You've had to homeschool kids. You've had to still do work. You had to still be a spouse. You have to still be a whole human. So like, how mm -hmm. have you thought about integrating or balancing the demands of work and home? Yeah, it's, it's been imperfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the best word. It's been imperfect. I mean, I'm just going to say that I, I have a great family and that has been probably the biggest uh, crutch for me. Um, you know, for school, I called my mom. I was like, this is about to be bad for your grandson. So you probably should get on the phone and help him out because... <laughs> I got like three presentations I got to put together today, <laughs> you know, I mean, and that's a, that's a real thing. And I've talked to so many moms, so many like moms in this field and they are all like clink. Yes. <laughs> it is such a real thing trying to just make sure that your kids get what they need. You get what you need. Uh, you know, your loved ones, like it is, it is a thing. And so I, I accept help. I accept the help. And I think that's something that is tough for women, black women, especially. I accept the help. My husband wants to cook dinner, do it. Yes. Cook the dinner. Thank you, husband. If you want to get the lunch for the kids? Thank you. I appreciate that. I really mm -hmm. needed that, you know? Um, and I would say that's probably the, the big thing is like accepting the help. Um, and, you know, and then taking my time, taking personal time from work. Mm. And that is something that people don't do because they feel like, oh, I'm taking personal time. And then there's another person and they seem like they're not taking any personal time. So people are going to think that they work harder than me. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a real thing, too. The personal time is there for a reason. You get it for a reason. Use it. Use it. I had to stop doing that, too. I was ending up with, like, days and days at the end of the year because i think i'm grinding i'm like you know i'm grinding but really what i'm doing is i'm grinding myself down uh, I'm, I'm i'm not being as productive as i can be because i'm not taking the break mm. that break from the day-to-day -day, i've seen my productivity just skyrocket after taking a week off yeah and so take your time take your personal time if you have it use it and then anybody trying to give you help at home accept it mm. um, <laughs> so we're going to go to our lightning round questions next so don't think too much about it. it's literally the first thing that comes to your mind um what's one piece of career advice you wish you had gotten earlier in your career 
uh, don't sweat it, man. Like, just just go with it. Just mm-hmm. go with it. It's all going to work out okay. Um, what's the career lesson that took you the longest to learn, but has had the biggest impact on your career? That delegation doesn't mean that you don't want to work or that you don't, that because you delegate, like all of a sudden you like have no value. It's like, I used to think like, if I don't do it myself, then what am I doing here? Right. And it's like, no, I I wish I would have learned that earlier that working smartly is okay. Mm. It's all right to work smart. You don't have to work hard for every single thing. Mm. Yeah. What's one book that you could read over and over again? Oh, um, well, I actually just, I just refreshed myself on, um, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. So that was a book. <laughs> yeah. And so we, that was something that I just got a chance to read and I'm like starting to read it again. So yeah. Very good. Um, so the last question is, we all know that decisions about your career are going to be made when you're not in the room. So what do you hope people are saying about you when you're not in the room? So I'm hoping they're saying she knows how to get things done. I'm hoping that they're saying she knows how to influence people to get things done. Mm. And on that note, thank you so, 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 so much. Um, So many gems dropped, y'all. Just so many gems dropped. But thank you so much for your time. That was awesome. I told you all that she was going to be amazing. And you know that I like to end each episode with the top three gems that I got. So first, one, that there are tons of creative people in corporate. I know a lot of times it's like corporate is where creativity goes to die. But there are tons of opportunities to be Uh, creative within the corporate space. You just have to make sure that you are looking for the position that allows you to let your creative juices flow. Second thing is um, the importance of deciding what you focus on. Um, I think that when we're going through growing pains in organizations, things are growing, there are changes, there's a lot of pressure. A lot of times it's easy to lose sight of like why you're there and why you're doing the work that you're doing. So just like making sure that you have a North Star that you are always looking at to guide your decision-making process. And then I think the third thing is the ability to be able to not only ask for help, but accepting help when you know that you need it. And so that you don't end up feeling overwhelmed or feeling like you're alone or feeling burnt out because in order to pour into other people, like you also have to be willing to let people pour into you. I'm just blown away by her perspective and how she's thought about um about how she's navigating her career. The last thing I will say, this is like a fourth thing. So she talked about um, the importance of having data and having uh, receipts to back it up. So you all know that this episode was brought to you by the Review Planner, the product that we just released through I Choose a Ladder. It is a systematic way to make sure that you have data that you can share when it comes to um, your performance reviews and talking to your managers about your career journey. So make sure you check out and purchase your copy of the review planner at thereviewplanner.com. As always, if you want to keep the conversation going, join us on Instagram at I Choose the Ladder or on Facebook at I Choose the Ladder Podcast. Until next time, thank you for listening.